Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. All right, get your Bibles out. I want everyone to pay attention. Nobody talking. Let's get your Bible out. I finished my series last week, but today I'm going to share something. Now, many of you heard, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 11. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your smartphone, uh, go ahead and uh, go to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. But before I read, I wanted to share this with you. I've done a lot of study uh, on this, and I've shared little things here and there. Now, what I'm about to share, guys, I give you permission to say amen. I give you permission to get excited. Nod your head. Just don't throw anything at me, okay? But... I, I, I've shared this in little nuggets, but I've never shared the whole message on this because in my study, I never have done really sermons that do just fit just holiday seasons uh, just for the sake of it. I really try to hear the Lord and say, okay, what are you trying to say? But I'm entitling this message because of what we're about to get into with Thanksgiving. Listen to me. The doors and pathways of gratitude and Thanksgiving. The, everybody say the doors and pathways of gratitude and thanksgiving. You know, and when I was thinking about this, I was thinking like, like the price is right. I think it was the price is right. Where it's like behind door number one, you could choose this. Behind door number two, right? And so I've identified about five or six doors that, watch this, watch this, that thanksgiving and gratitude opens for you. That was two amens. I've identified doors that Thanksgiving and gratitude, listen, opens wide for you, and I've never shared this before, and I'm going to share it with you again. There's these six doors that I believe, if you are listening this morning, there's doors waiting to be opened for you that only could be opened through Thanksgiving and gratitude. I'm talking about doors, doors that you go, Lord, open the door for me. Lord, open the door for me. Sometimes we will not go through a door if we're not not in gratitude and in thanksgiving. I'm not talking about a holiday, and I'm not talking about a turkey. I'm talking about the condition of your heart. All right, now, let's go to the scriptures. There's some that you're going to know for a long time, but there's some I'm going to break down for you. Are you ready? Amen. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. If we could all be present, let's not uh, be walking around if you can. Uh, I'm going to try to give this to you in the next 40 minutes. Now, it happened as he went. Now, this is a very popular scripture, but I want you to hang with me. He went to Jerusalem that Jesus passed through in the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, watch this. Pay attention. Then, as Jesus entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them... He said to them, now watch this, go your way and show yourself to the priest. I used to read that all the time. Do you realize that up until this point, they went to Jesus with a severe need. Leprosy was a very debilitating disease that would eat up your skin from the inside out, okay? But if you notice, I've read this for years, but I never got this. At this point, Jesus still had not healed them. They came to him and and. It's like a weird response from Jesus because most of the time when Jesus would would encounter a sick person right there on the spot, he would lay hands on them or say something and they would be totally healed. Not this time. This time these lepers came to him and he said, have mercy on us. And he said, okay, that's fine. I'll have mercy on you. Go and show yourself to the priest. They had not even got healed yet. He just said, go back around. In other words, stop coming to me. Go 
go the other way and show yourself to the priest and you'll see what happens, okay? Now, I want you to put yourself in, your sh in these shoes. If you had an uncurable disease, some of us uh, feel like we have an uncurable emotional disease. We feel like we're always emotionally leprous in some areas of our life or physically, okay? Now, one of them, when he saw, wa watch this, wa and so it was that they went, and when they went, they were cleansed. Now watch this. And one of them, when he saw, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned. Now I want you to, to highlight this in your Bibles. And with a loud voice, he glorified God, number one, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. I'm going to read that again. And with a loud voice, he glorified God, number one, and number two, he fell down on his face and gave him thanks. And he was a foreigner. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were they not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Were there not any found who... Watch this. Were there not any found who returned to give God glory except this foreigner? Obviously, according to this text... The rest of the nine were probably Jewish people and Jewish uh, Hebrew people, but the only one that returned was a Samaritan. Wasn't there nine of them? There's only one except this foreigner that returned. Now watch the door that opened. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In the, in the old King James, that word means whole. The nine that got cleansed, got cleansed, didn't return to thank God. They kept on going. I'm going to touch that on a little bit later. They only got cleansed. The one who came and glorified God and came and back and thanked God, he not only remained cleansed, he got whole. That means his emotions got right at the same time his leprosy got right. That means his mind got right at the same time that his physical body. What good is it if you get physically healed and you still have emotional bondage? What good is it if you get cleansed but your mind is still messed up with everything that's going on in your life? He said, because you came and glorified me, your faith has made you whole, spirit, soul, and body. I've already cleansed you, but now because of your thanksgiving and your gratitude has opened the door for you to have wholeness. Now, I, I, again, I know this is a holiday season, but I want you to see this. I'm going to share with you six, what I've identified, six doors. Now, I didn't get these six doors from a book. Uh, the, the, to, to some people, it could have been five. But I've identified six doors in my life that I feel that is very prominent that, that gratitude and thanksgiving opens up for you. Do you know that just like forgiveness, gratitude is not a feeling. It's a decision. Just like forgiveness, some of us do not feel like forgiving those who hurt us. Who wants to forgive those people that hurt us and jabbed us in our emotions and continue to talk bad about us? It is hard physically in the physical realm to do that. That's why freedom has nothing to do with our feelings. Feelings are horrible leaders. Feelings are, hor are horrible directors. But just as we need to not feel to forgive, we need to not feel to give thanks. Because while we're feeling pain, I'm going to share with you the revelation of gratitude and what that does to your heart. And watch this, the doors that it eventually open for you. Praise the Lord. Now watch this. Christina, you guys, you're going to love this one. This is what I 
This is amazing. Look at door number one. I feel like I had that song, like the door number one. Anyway, door number one. Ready? Watch this. Door number one, gratitude towards the Lord brings us into true scriptural worship. Now, you may think, oh, I know that. No, you don't. I'm going to, tell, I'm going to break something down that I've never, I have never taught here at RCC. Gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Now notice, I'm saying gratitude and thanksgiving, okay? Because it's possible to sing a song and not be thankful. Oh, let me go over here. Let me go over here. Let me go over here. You could sing a song because it sounds good, but you're not thankful in your heart. But if you're thankful, the song is a supplement overflow of what's already happening in your heart. So when you're thankful, a song can come out of that thankfulness. But thankfulness doesn't necessarily come out of a song. I've sang songs when I had to, and I wasn't thankful. I'm just going to be honest. I'm like, I'm still in pain, but bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul. But I wasn't thankful. Just because you sing doesn't mean you're thankful. Mm. Door number one, it opens thankfulness and gratitude in every season, opens the door for true scripture. Everybody say scriptural worship. It's not emotional worship. It's scriptural. You say scriptural. How can that be? Oh, I'm glad because, you know, in this, in this text, I'm going to tell you, he glorified God, this leper, he glorified God and he bowed down and gave him thanks. So how does giving thanks open the door for scriptural, uh, scriptural worship in your life? Are you ready for this? Okay. So in the Hebrew, right in the old Testament, I want you to, I'm going to teach you something real powerful. And these words are going to be on the screen. In the Old Testament, there's about 11 Hebrew words for praise or 11 Hebrew words for praise or worship. But seven of the Hebrew words that, that are strong in praise, in other words, they're known to define praise. In the Hebrew language, is so much stronger than the English language. Like we say love to love our dog, to love our cat, to love our God, to love our spouse. But when you say love, you know, we don't say, we don't say the, 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 the breakdown of those things. Now, we feel, I would hope that you love your God more than you love your pet. I, would love, I, would, I hope that you love your spouse more than you love your dog, but yet we still use the same word. In Hebrew, there's words, but in those words, there's like almost like little Hundreds of little definitions of that word, right? So I'm going to say, I'm going to show seven Hebrew words, right? Seven Hebrew words that are most dominant when it comes to praise, the definition of praise, and what each of them have a tie to and a common denominator of their, uh, of their combined definitions, all right? All right? So, so look at this. Let's put up that first slide. The Hebrew words to describe praise and worship. For the first one, and now forgive me if I, if I mispronounce some of this, right, is todah. All right, which means a Thanksgiving choir. Oh my goodness! If you look at uh, the Greek, I'm uh, sorry, the Hebrew, the Hebrew lexicon and the, the Hebrew words for for todah, it has a lot. Again, Hebrew words have and Greek words have a lot, but there's one little capsule in there that it says a choir of Thanksgiving. So wait, 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 wait. We're talking about Hebrew words that are known for praise, Hebrew words that are known for worship that has the name, the word Thanksgiving in it. Okay, Toda, a thanksgiving choir. In other words, an assembly of, of, of thanksgiving, of people giving thanks. That's Toda. That's one of the words, okay? The second word is this, is Barak. Now, some of you guys are thinking it's not, the, what do you think it is? Barak, right? And I I, maybe I, I'm saying but that is to kneel. Listen, the word Barak means to kneel in thanksgiving, to bow in reverence in thanksgiving. Again, these are all root 
Hebrew words that are strong and dominant for praise and worship. But in those dominant phrases, there's these definitions, right? So Barak means to kneel in thanksgiving. Look at the third one. Look at the third, third Hebrew word. The third Hebrew word is tehillah. Everybody say tehillah. Is to sing a song of thanksgiving. Now, now, now pronounce it rightly. Is tehillah, not tequila. You, you may sing a little more after tequila, but it may not be worship. Come on, somebody. Everybody say tehillah. Tehillah actually means to sing. We did tehillah today. <laughs> Some of you. I want to say tehillah is to sing a song of thanksgiving. All these, do you see the pattern here? What's the pattern? Thanksgiving is in every word, Hebrew word of praise. Right. Tehillah, to sing a song of thanksgiving. Look at the fourth Look at the fourth Hebrew word. Look at the fourth Hebrew word. I almost tripped on this, so I'm going to put this on here right now. Halal. Everybody say halal. Is to give thanks by, oh, 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 watch this, by being clamorously foolish. That's, that's one of the, literally, one of the, the definitions, right? This is, and I put in parentheses, undignified. That's what you saw David do when he, the ark started coming. He did the halal. He did like, <laughs> And all the, all the magistrates were like, you're so undignified. You're a king. You're not supposed to do that. He's like, you have no idea what I'm doing it for, sister. I'm not doing it for you. It's, I'm doing it because the ark of God is coming back. The presence of God, the glory of God is coming back. This is where we get the word hallelujah. Halal is to, watch this, give thanks by being clamorously foolish or undignified. And David, King David says, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the Lord. And I will be more undignified than this. That's what he said. He goes, you have seen nothing yet, sister. You know why people praise God the radically? is because It's not because we listen to a CD of how to uh, explode our veins the proper way, you know, or, or, or put tears in a certain way. Okay, you know, make sure that you do that stank face. And that's how you really worship. There is no CD to tell you how to respond to worship. The reason why many people act undignified when they praise and worship is because you don't know their story. You don't know their story. You don't know how bad they've got delivered from. That's why, that's why, listen, that's why blind Bartimaeus, he would have shook all the religious system in this world today. Because when Jesus was passing by, he was totally halal, totally loud, totally undignified. Jesus, son of David, had mercy. And guess who was shutting him up? It wasn't the worldly people. It was the church people. It, the Bible says the church people was like, you're making a mess right now. You, this is not the proper way to worship. I don't care. Leave me alone. I may only get one shot of Jesus. That's pretty much what happened. I may only get one shot of Jesus walking by. And he did, you know what? He ignored them. No, I'm not, I'm not going to be quiet. Bartimaeus, be, be quiet. This is not the proper way to worship. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He got Jesus' attention because of his clamorous praise. Hello. All right, look at the next one. Look at the next one. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Yada is to give, oh, listen, some of you guys, you need a yada in your spirit. <laughs> to give thanks with an extended hands. Glory to God. The Bible says yada is actually a, a, like a hand being extended in thanksgiving. Upwards or forwards, right? But it's extending of the hands. There's many other definitions for that. But one of the definitions for yada is, is giving thanks with extended hands. Guess what? 
Lifting up your hands is not only a sign of surrender. It's actually in the Hebrew word for praise. So when we say lift up your hands, it's not just, oh, you're just trying to lift up your spiritual. You know, no, no, no. We're not trying to make anything look good. There's something about giving thanks with an open heart and extended hands. That you're saying, God, I thank you. I'm, I'm choosing to lift up my hands in surrender. Come on. Now, that doesn't mean I'm forcing you to lift up your hands and, 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 and make you feel uncomfortable. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's actually biblical to lift up your hands in the context of worship. Now, watch this. Look at, the, look at number six. Watch this. This is just my intro. Zamar. To give, we did Zamar this morning. To give thanks. Everybody say thanks. Do you see the common thread here? Thanks. To give thanks with a musical instrument. Zamar. All right, I look at number seven. I'm, I'm saying all this for a reason. All right, the last one, Shabbat. Come on, some of you guys know this. Come on, say Shabbat. Shabbat, you've probably heard that. Hey, can I give the Lord a Shabbat, which is also give thanks in a loud tone. What did the Bible say that that man with a leprosy did? He glorified God with a loud voice. Why did the Bible say loud voice? He could have said he just glorified God. No, but the Lord went out of his way. The Holy Spirit put that in the scripture, and he said he glorified him with a loud voice. It's okay to be loud when you've been delivered from something, and Jesus is about to deliver you. When you've been delivered from something, he said to give thanks in a loud voice is sometimes translated as a shout. Now, again, uh, some of the, uh, the charismatic ways of shouting is just kind of overboard because we think we need to shout for everything. But biblically, it's scriptural to do a Shabbat which is shout. Shout for the Lord has given you the city, Joshua said. Shout. After the seventh time, you better shout, and the walls will start coming down. Now, why do I say this? I said this as a foundation. Seven out of the 11 Hebrew words known for praise and worship have a common thread of the word thanksgiving. Now watch. I'm going to give you a test. Say a test. Let's see how much you know scripture. This is really, actually, this is really simple if you've studied the Bible here just a little bit. There's one verse, say the one verse. There's one verse in the Old Testament that has four out of these dominant words all in one verse. Can you guess what that is? Come on, I want to see if you can guess. One verse, one verse in the Old Testament that has four of these dominant Hebrew words for praise, which all have to point to thanksgiving and gratitude in their nature, all in one verse. Can anybody kind of guess? Come on, throw it out there. Or just say, say the verse. Say the, say the verse out loud. Okay. All right. It got a little quiet in here, but it's okay. When I say it, you'll, you'll recognize it. It's Psalm 100. Psalm 100 and verse 4. Now, we've all quoted this, but I want, I want you to see this in a different light today. When it comes to, listen to me, zoom in, the need for us to be grateful and thankful in our hearts before it produces worship. That should produce worship, not the other way around. Right? Don't come to church unthankful or with an unthankful lifestyle and expect a song to get you to be thankful. It can move you to be thankful, but thankfulness actually creates your song to be authentic. Now look at this. Watch this. Watch this. Psalm 100 and verse 4. Here it goes. Are you ready? Ready? Enter. I'm going to ask you to guess which four words are, are, are the ones that are here. Ready? Enter his gates with... Okay. So the first word... That this Hebrew word there is todah, okay? So just keep it up there. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's todah, which means it's thanksgiving choir, right? Enter his gates with a thanksgiving choir and enter his courts with 
Second word. So that word is tehillah, not tequila, tehillah. All right? Enter its courts with tehillah, which means what? Singing songs of praise and thanksgiving, right? So that's the second word. Th enter his gates with thanksgiving, that's todah. Enter his courts with praise, that's tehillah, right? Be thankful, and that's number three, that's the word yada there. That's number three, be thankful, yada, giving thanks with extended hands, right? And look at this, and bless his name. The word blessed there is barak, which means to bow or kneel in reverence. So watch this. If you take each definition of thanksgiving, of what I shared with you, come on, somebody shout amen. This is how it reads when you insert the, the Hebrew words in all those things. This is how it, it says. Enter his gates with Todah, thanks, with a thanksgiving choir, and into his courts with singing songs of praise of thanksgiving. Be thankful to him with extended hands and bless him by bowing and kneeling in thanksgiving. Do you realize that if you and I learn the practice of being thankful in everything, you will be able to see an overcoming life with your eyes and your perception. It will be so different because true worship comes out of a heart of gratitude. And thankfulness. I've had to learn this because there is a lot of grumpy Christians when we go through, through trials and tribulations. This is why gratitude and thanksgiving anchors us into a lifestyle of worship faster than even a song can. Well, I can't worship because I, don't, I can't find a song that moves my heart. Then you're not really thankful. That's why the Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. Because when you're thankful, you will start overflowing. And you'll, you'll start seeing this. Now look at door number two. Ba -bum, ba -bum. Door number two. <laughs> door number two, that gratitude and thanksgiving opens for you. This is going to be really good now. Watch this. Giving thanks assures us that we're anchored in the will of God for our lives. Now, many of you know this, so I'll go quickly with this. But the only place in the Bible that assures us that no matter what we're doing, if, we're, if we do this, we are at least in the will of God for that season. Even while all hell is breaking loose, all uncertainty is breaking loose, even when we are confused in our mind, there's one verse that says we could be in the will of God if we do continually this thing. And look at what it says. We all know this. You all know where we're going. Thessalonians, right? Thessalonians, but I want to break it down for you. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Look at what it says. Oh, I've come to know that I need this. This is not a luxury. This is a necessity. This is not something that I like is just a luxury for me. I have to force myself to be thankful or I will be miserable. Come on, say amen. Some of you have conditions right now or situations that, that are causing you to be feeling dry. And you know what? The number one thing the enemy wants to take is your joy and your thankfulness. Because when he takes your joy and your thankfulness, everything will be robotic. Everything will be, uh, feels like it's fake. Everything it feels like, like you're forcing it. But when you're thankful, there's something that happens. Now watch this. Your situation may not change, but your heart will. Oh, that's so good. When you're thankful, your situation may still be the same, but your heart will become alive. Now look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5 or 16. Read this with me. Rejoice. By the way, do you know when Paul was writing this? He was in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
And I say it, and again I say rejoice. He was probably having to struggle with that feathered pen because he was anchored with chains and he would have to write with some sort of limitation. He said rejoice, watch this, always, pray without ceasing. Now watch, I'm going to say something that I've, I've heard this before, but I'm going to say something that's going to shock you. So don't throw stones at me when you, when you hear me. Hear me well. Now say, in everything, in everything. give thanks. Give thanks. Say this one more time. Say, in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God, wait, 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 for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pastor, I want to know God's will. Let's start by being thankful in everything that you're going through. That's the first advice. Lord, Pastor, I don't know where my, my, the will of God is. And you're like, mm, let me see. Let me pray. Um, well, First of all, without even praying, saying, how thankful have you been in your life? How, 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 how is your gratitude level in the season that you're in? Because you could be outside of the will of God and still love God when we remain unthankful. Listen, he said, be thankful in all and, and be thankful in everything for this is the will of God for you. Every time we choose to be grateful and thankful, we, even through the toughest lessons and seasons of our life, we position ourselves in the will of God. Now, here's where I want you to zoom in because here's where you may throw eggs at me. <laughs> hear me. Hear me. The Bible, Paul the Apostle here, did not say be thankful for everything. He says be thankful in everything. You, some of you need to hear that because we have so much false humility going around and we start thanking God for cancer and we start thanking God for sicknesses and we start thanking God for being abused. Never in the scripture that he said thank God for everything. He said thank God in everything. Paul the apostle didn't say hey when you got cancer that's the very thing that God died to defeat. Uh, I want you to be thankful that you got a disease. We get this false humility in our lives which adds more depression in our lives. Oh God, okay, I got to be thankful. No, no. Find what, what Paul the Apostle said when he said be thankful in everything is in the midst of that disease, in the midst of that bad news, search for something that you could give thanks for and it will make your heart come alive. Find something that God did in your life at one point in your life and in that season you give thanks. Not for that. I'm not going to give thanks for cancer striking a body. I looked up several versions of this verse, and I, I didn't find one that says to get, be thankful for everything. But we as Christians, we think that we have to beat ourselves up because we got to be thankful for everything. No, he says be thankful in everything, in every season. That means, listen, that means in the financial problem, if you can't find something thankful in that, go back and remember what God did for, for your life at one point in your life and be thankful. You know what? You better thank God that you have two legs, that you can walk, that you can breathe. Yeah, you may not be all fully functioning, but find something to be thankful for. When I... I'm going through some horrific pain. I have to find thankfulness, watch this, not in the fact that my pain is not there. Because if I limit my thanksgiving to him only answering my prayer to get healed, then I'll be very limited in my thanksgiving. Some of us are, 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 are objecting, are limiting our gratitude with the level of God answering our prayers. Let that sink in. We're only thankful to the degree he's answering prayer in our lives. If he, if he doesn't answer this, then I'm not going to be thankful. Why should I be thankful? I've been praying for five years for this, and he hasn't done this for me. Why should I be thankful? I'm still suffering. Why, is he th why should I be thankful? He said, be thankful in everything. 
find something to be thankful for. Watch this. And it'll open the doors for you. It, it will open the doors for you. Watch this. Here it is. To stay in the will of God. Simon, Simon. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. What is he trying to do? He was trying to get him out of the place of the will of God of his life. If we focus on the things in our life, we will not be grateful. I have learned that thankfulness actually opens doors for vibrant hearts, for a vibrant heart. Can I hear an amen? amen. Be thankful in everything. Say in everything. Amen. So, as a matter of fact, Paul the Apostle says something that I was reading. He warns us that if we ever get to a place in our lives where we cease to be thankful. Wait a minute. No, no, no. This is going to be the fear of the Lord. If we ever get to the point of our life where we cease to be thankful and have gratitude for even the little things that's happening in our lives, it's actually a warning and it's dangerous for us. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1 for me. All right? Romans chapter 1 is going to be on the screen. We're going to start at verse 20. Look at what the Bible says about um, the warning or the consequences of, of becoming unthankful. By the way, before you read this, becoming unthankful is the prerequisite for bitterness. I'm going to say that again. Becoming unthankful, that's the first step, is the prerequisite to become bitter and angry and offended. It's, it starts with unthankfulness. Right? And I'm going to prove it to you in the next door, okay, after this. Watch this. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they, they were talking about those people that, that were in the wilderness, right? They knew God. They did not. What, wait a minute. This is awesome. They did not what? Glorify God. Nor were they. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did the leper do that got cleansed? He glorified God with a loud voice, and he kneeled down, and he thanked him. So watch this. Neither were they, did they glorify God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Look at verse 24. Jump to verse 24. Therefore, because they were unthankful, God gave them up to uncleanliness. Uh-oh. Do you see this? Do you see what unthankfulness does in our lives? Because they were unthankful, God... Gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the, create, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. When we get to that place, it's a dangerous place that Paul says for us that we need to be. Because unthankfulness produces bitterness and unthankfulness can produce those areas in our minds where he says he left them over to a reprobate mind. Now look at door number three. Here's the next door. The door number three that gratitude and thanksgiving opens, this is so good, is being intentional to give thanks to the Lord helps us not to forget God's goodness or promises when difficult times comes on our lives. You know what thankfulness and gratitude does for us on a, on a daily basis as a practice, as a discipline? It delivers us from spiritual amnesia. Whenever the body of Christ goes through something, me included, we tend to forget the goodness of God. When we remain thankful, I heard a story of a um, guy in Bethel, man. Sorry. Bill Johnson, thank you. He got really sick. I don't know if you guys remember that, a couple years ago. He got really sick mysteriously, and he, he's a ministry that believes in healing. I heard that one of the stories I read about was that he was there and he uh, was on his bed and no one knew what was happening. 
And all he kept saying over and over goes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. He just kept saying, thank you. Thank you. I heard reports that, that he, all he kept saying over and over, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Instead of saying, why are you doing this to me? I'm preaching the gospel. Why are you allowing this to happen? Right? If I could be honest, I've said that to the Lord. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you letting the devil win? Why are you doing this? Why haven't you healed me? Why haven't you done this right? And that produces a really, really bad attitude Christian. Right? Now, now look at this. Being intentional and being thankful will help you not to forget. Everybody say not forget. Now, now uh, the story of the nine lepers, sorry, the ten lepers, did, no one ever talks about the nine lepers. We just talk about the one. But I want to talk about the nine for a second, right? Because there's a parallel of what's happening in the church, I believe, today in some areas, right? Now, now look at this. The nine, what, whatever happened to the nine lepers? I tell you what happened to the nine lepers in the PG uh, version, the PGV version, right? <laughs> I believe that they were enjoying the blessing and forgot the healer. They enjoyed the healing but forgot the healer. They found out that they got cleansed and they kept going. There's some people that only come to Jesus not to follow him but to take the weight off of their life and to take the pain off of their life. So they come to the altar and they're going through some emotional pain. They're going through some physical pain. They're going through some agony in their life. And they come and they get prayed and that, that, that weight lifts off of them and they go right back. Enjoy the freedom but they don't. Follow the Lord. Jesus never said, if you want to be my disciples, come to me and I will just heal you. He said, no, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then follow me. Then you can be my disciple. Now watch this. Now watch this. The others were enjoying the blessing and never thanked God. They forgot. Listen, they forgot. They kept going. And it looks like a lot of Christians today, I believe, in the body of Christ, who get something from God and then they forget about God. They forget to be thankful. And this is the same. Now, look, I want you to hear this. This is the same principle that happened in the people of Israel. And when they were, the, the, the key that made them grumble was not that they were just grumbling. They were grumbling because they forgot how good God was. Do you know that every day, church, every day, could you imagine you wake up and you have wafers that taste like honey on your front porch every morning for you to gather for your family? The Bible says every day they were complaining, I have no food. And the, I read this yesterday in Exodus 16. You guys can look it up, the whole chapter, right? Not one time the God says, I answer their prayer. He said, I answer their complaints. He, what a good God we serve. He, he answered their complaints. He said, and God heard their complaint, and God answered their complaint. What a God we serve that he's like, you know what? I'm not even answering. You're not even praying right now, but I'm going to answer your complaints. And he said, I'm hungry. Watch, I'm hungry. I don't have no food. Oh, we were better in Egypt. Un watch this. Unthankful. We were better in Egypt. Unthankfulness will make you wish you were back in the world. The world tree. Oh, come on. I'm preaching good here. Uh, uh, the, wor the, world, uh, the world before I got saved, I didn't have all this hell breaking loose. Exactly. Because now you're a threat to the enemy. Well, when I was in the world, I never had this, all these darts and all these accusations and all these people talking bad about me. Welcome to the club. Watch, watch, watch. Every day, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. God says, okay, I, Moses, let them know, because I read this yesterday. Every day, I'm going to rain down every morning, but they have to get up and work for it. Not, not, not make it. They just have to get up early and get it. And, and he said, if, if, if he waited a little bit too long, the sun would come, and it would burn the, the, the manna. Guys, this was angels' food. The Bible says in Psalm 78 that men ate angels' food. 
Right? Now watch. I'm going to show you what unthankfulness produces in our heart. That even something that's heavenly, come on, say amen. Something that's heavenly turns out to be undesirable. Every morning manna came down. They gathered it for their family. Now watch this, watch this. And the Bible says in Exodus 16 that in, on Friday, the, the Lord sent more, double, so that they don't have to work on Saturday and, 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 and do anything on the Sabbath. So they said, look, I'm going to give you double on Friday so you don't got to do anything on Saturday so you can enjoy Friday and Saturday. But guess what they did? You know what they did? I can imagine the children of Israel here, and Aaron over here, and Hakeem over here, and, and all these other guys over here. And day 239, the Bible says for 40 years, everybody say 40 years, the Lord provided manna for them. Provided. Everybody say provided. Lord, I'm tired of this job that you provided. I'm tired of this job that you, I'm only making X amount of dollars, but yet you provided. The Bible says 40 years every morning. So I can imagine day 438, they're eating, and all of a sudden they're like, this one dude's like, man, I'm tired of this, man. I want some fried chicken. I'm tired of these rafers, man. You know, <laughs> and, I, and I can tell, no, 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 watch. And I can tell, and I can imagine like, like Aaron saying, no, 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 Hakeem or her, whatever your name is. is that, like, just calm, calm down. Just calm, just calm down, calm down. No, man, I want some mashed potatoes. I want some cornbread. I'm tired of all these wafers with honey. It's been 438 days. I'm tired of this, Aaron. I'm, Joshua, no, don't talk to me, Joshua. I want some mashed potatoes. I want some chicken. You, watch, watch. They wanted meat. Fine. God says, fine. I'm going to answer your complaint again. It's all in Exodus 16. The Bible says, in the morning, you're going to have wafers from heaven. They're going to be manna, and it's going to be bread. And at night, we're going to have quail for you, and you're going to have all the meat you desire. And you're going to cook that meat. It's almost like fried chicken. It's fried quail. So, I mean, it's over there. So watch. The Bible says they ate to the full. I'm actually reading word for word. They ate to the full, and it wasn't enough. They had heavenly food every morning. Prepare for them. They had to go to the groceries. No Target, guys. No Publix. No Uber. The angel of the Lord was the Uber. It was like, can you imagine waking up every morning? Oh, there it is. Again, for the 30th year, and you watch this, you get used to God's provision, and you're no longer thankful for even the supernatural provision in your life. Everything that God did for the children of Israel was not normal. It was supernatural. The Bible actually says that the quail was so much that it stank. That they gave so much quail that they were, watch this, after they asked for meat, they didn't like the meat. Isn't that like some Christians today? Man, I'm tired of these cornflakes coming from heaven with honey, honey nut Cheerios in the morning. And you got quail at night. Guys, guys, they were eating from the restaurant of heaven. And, and watch this. Psalm 78, which I won't get to because it's long, says time and time again how God was faithful to them. And they were unthankful. They were unthankful. Now, l l listen to this. Why do I say this? Because grumbling, and oh, watch this. Oh, let me, let me, this is before I go to the, the, the fourth one. Because they were unthankful in that, that's where they stayed 40 years in the wilderness. You say, no, the Bible says it's because they were grumbling. Grumbling is equated to being unthankful. I have never seen someone grumbling and being grateful at the same time. 
Grumbling, complaining actually means you're not grateful. You're not thankful. See, Jesus saw the five loaves and two fish. And every time, watch this. We're talking about our Lord now. Do you know that our Lord, every time he had bread and every time he had food, what did he do? He broke it and he what? Now, can you, let, let, let's, let's stop being spiritual for just one second. Let's all pretend that we are in with Jesus and you see 5,000 people. Let's, let's not, remember, we know the scriptures, so we're like, oh, we know the end result, right? Let's say we didn't know the scriptures, we were Jesus, 5,000 people are there, and this little boy comes, five loaves and two fish, gives it to Jesus. And then Jesus had the audacity to say, thank you. You'd be like, why are you thanking him? Just gave you five loaves and two fish. That's not going to be enough for these 5,000 people. But because Thanksgiving has a way. To multiply what's in your heart. You could write that down. The joy that comes in your life is multiplied through thanksgiving. Which leads me to the next door. Door number four. Door number four, that gratitude. Everybody say gratitude and thanksgiving. I'm going to challenge you, and this is a challenge for me. Try to, from now on, after this message, look for something to be thankful in your life. Just one thing. That's all I'm asking. One thing. But you don't know my situation. You don't know my, no, no, no. I'm asking don't worry about your situation. Be thankful. It will be so much better for your heart. I trust, trust me when I say this. You may not have everything answered, but your heart will come alive. Watch this. Purposeful gratitude and thanksgiving. I'm almost done. I got two more doors after this. Keeps our attitudes joyful and hopeful in the midst of every situation we go through. Look at me for a second. Look at me. I've never, this is going to be an oxymoron. I've never met a grumpy, thankful person. You can't even say that in English without it being a, a, a misgrammar. Like, it's like saying, it's like having two negatives in a sentence. Grumpy, thankful. You can't, like, hi, Mr. Grumpy, thankful person. You, it's like two totally opposite things. I've never seen a grumpy, thankful person. I've always seen a grumpy, unthankful person. Anytime you see grumpiness and criticalness and uh, attacking and anger... You see nothing of thanksgiving in there. Nothing. You, you see zero. Our hope is more aware, unwavering, sorry, when we are thankful. Because when we're thankful, we won't set up conditions, listen, or expectations from God concerning our prayer life. I'm going to say that again. When we are thankful, we won't set up conditions or expectations from God concerning what we're praying for. Look at this next slide. I'm going real fast for you. How many are getting something this morning? All right, you're not falling asleep on me? All right, look at this next slide. Our hope in the Lord won't change when we remain thankful to him. Our hope in the Lord will not change when we remain thankful to him. Why? Because if we remain thankful to the Lord in all seasons, say in all seasons, say in all seasons, we won't base our hope or our faithfulness to God in what he answers or doesn't answer. Can I hear an amen? amen. A joyful heart and thanksgiving Go hand in hand. I'm going to tell you this last verse here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. I want you to see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9, how thanksgiving and joy go hand in hand. Uh, in other words, whenever you see a thankful person, you see a joyful person. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed someone that's really joyful? Just be honest, honest with me. Some of you guys are here in this room, and I, and I applaud you for that. When you are a joyful person, you're much easier to be around. No one wants to be around an unbelieving believer. I mean, that's an oxymoron. 
an unjoyful believer, right? Like, no one wants to be around someone that's always cranky. Like, oh, no, don't. He's, he's coming through the door. Oh, you know. He's. Those are the type of people that no matter what, no matter what, all hell's breaking loose all the time. Hey, how you day, buddy? It's all right, you know. It's, it's never anything positive. You know, it's like, well, you know, like, find something to be grateful for. Come on, it's not that hard. Look at this. Look at what it says. For what thanks can we render, in, in Thessalonians, to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God? Do you see how thanksgiving and joy are always hand in hand? Night and day praying exceedingly that we may face and be perfect what is lacking in your faith. Okay, two more. Are you getting something? I'm going to let you go. Door number five. This is powerful. Now, this is going to hit home the last two. Door number five that thanksgiving and gratitude opens for you. Let me pause and say this. How many are praying for open doors? Can we be honest? Honest. Come on. Come on, you guys. How many praying for some open doors? It's like, okay. Many of us are praying for open doors. I believe some of the doors that you're asking for, if you have a daily posture, daily posture of thank, thanksgiving, choosing to thank God in every season, these doors are going to start opening for you. Now watch. Choosing to continue to be thankful will keep your heart from becoming hard. Oh, man. One of the things that causes a hardened heart more than anything else is when we stop being thankful for the goodness of God because of what we're going through. The, the heart, listen, the Bible says in, 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 a, in the scripture, it says that in Hebrews, that exhortation has the ability, exhorting one another has the ability to stop the hardening of the heart. The Bible says exhort one another daily, not weekly, not monthly. It says exhort one another daily. In Hebrews chapter 3, while it's called today, lest you heart, your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So if exhortation has the ability to stop the propensity of a hardened heart, how much more thanksgiving and gratitude has the same way? Thanksgiving and gratitude has the ability to, watch this, make your heart soft and pliable. Have you developed a hard heart? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Have you developed a hard heart? Don't raise your hand. I guarantee you, somewhere in that hard heart is through time of not realizing that you've become unthankful for something. Now, wait. Now I'm going I'm to break it down because it's not just all about that. Unthankfulness starts real stealth, and then the louder part comes the injustice part done to you, right? So it's like you become unthankful, and then the loud part is all the stuff that's happening to you that you have interpreted as injustice. Am I preaching to, to our Remnant Christian Center? Okay, got quiet in this Methodist church this morning here. Okay, now watch this. I'm, I'm, sh I'm ending with this. If a worship team, you could get up here. We're going we're gonna to close with this. This is the last door, but this is, this is a very important door. If I, if I can have the worship team come up here, guys, please. Here's the last door. Literally. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share a video, and then the worship team is going uh, to play. I want everyone to look at this, right, with the fear of the Lord. Door number six. Everybody say door number six. By the way, this is all in your app. All this is in your app. You could get that. It's in your notes, right? Door number six that gratitude and thanksgiving opens for you is this. When choosing to be thankful in all things gives us a fresh appreciation for our salvation 
and being spared the reality of eternal separation from God. Do you know what's not preached anymore in a lot of American churches? The reality of heaven and hell. No more do we talk about the reality that there's a real heaven. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That there's a real hell. Right there, I just lost, unfortunately, a lot of the millennials. We're talking about hell. No, I want to go to a trendy, nice uh, church that don't talk about heaven or hell. Do you know that we are saved and we got saved from eternal damnation? He didn't have to do that. He got saved. And because that thanksgiving will remind us, will remind us about this. Now, before you play, uh, Christine, I want to show a video. And then we're going to play. Now, I saw this video that some of you know it's uh, one of my friends, Joel Stockstill. How many remember Joel Stockstill, all right? Uh, I, me and him have been friends for over 20 years. He said he has something. This is a guy. Listen to me. Please, please. If you don't listen to any of my sermon, please listen to these last five minutes, all right? Because it's going to really put things into perspective of why you and I need to stop being unthankful and start choosing to be thankful. This guy has had... Uh, kidney failure since he was like 12 years old when he would take off his his coat i would see like these bumps all these weird looking bumps on there because he's had dialysis for over 27 years he's over he's over 40 years old he wasn't even supposed to live he goes three times a day sorry three times a week to a machine that takes his blood out pumps it cleans it and puts it back to his body very exhausting for him yet he's blowing me out the water with his gratitude every time i see him he's thanking god and i'm, I'm throwing a pity party for my nerve pain and he's having these thir and i'm thinking what is wrong with us well he just said something the other day that has to do with eternity now i want you to see this i want you to see this video he's talking about a doctor a friend of his that that, that does this and his doctor uh sees famous people and they didn't reveal who this famous person was but this famous person uh, died on the table, and he was having visions. His soul was slipping, and his face was contorting because his soul was going to hell. He's being tormented. Now, I want you to see this, and then we're going to play. And I want you to think about why it's important to thank God for the cross. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for him saving you from eternal punishment, eternal separation. We need to thank God for that. Next time you're complaining about you don't have enough money in your job, well, you're saved. Amen. Praise God. If God doesn't do anything for you again, if he doesn't do anything for you again, if you don't feel one goosebump ever again, it's enough to thank him all the days of your life. So I want you to look at that screen. Go ahead and do that. It's about four minutes long. Then we're going to pray and get you out of here. Go ahead. What's up, everybody? I uh, just had an incredible experience at breakfast with my doctor, Dr. Chauncey Crandall, who is an amazing man of God. He's raised the dead. He wrote the book, Raised from the Dead. And uh, he just told me something I've got to share with you guys. Uh, this week, a man came in with a heart attack. They called him to the, to the operating room. And right there in the room, the man began to die. And this man is an extremely wealthy man. Uh, he owns... Uh, some incredible businesses, uh, well-known. You would know it if I said it, but this man is uh, not a believer. He doesn't know the Lord. He's caught up in a homosexual lifestyle. And right there on the operating table, he began to die and the torment of hell began to come over him. And Doc Crandall told me that 
literally the situation was so horrific the contortion of his face and the torment that began to come over his body was so horrific that doc said he wanted to leave the room everything in him but he began to pray and intercede for this man and this man's soul began to descend into the pits of hell and the very demons of hell began to, to torment him even while his body was still there and they were shocking him and working on him but he was still expressive and wild-eyed and his face was contorting and uh, they were they prayed and he went completely uh, uh, code line flat line I don't know all the medical terminology but anyway uh, after a minute or two they were able to bring him back and operate on him and get him back living and doc and I were just talking about this and he said Joel he said I wish you could have been there he said people don't realize how real heaven and hell are he said I'm there every day when people have a heart attack they call me I'm there when they're dying and he said this man who has been and living a life of sin he's extremely wealthy he is a billionaire uh, none of his money made any difference and the very deceptions and demons that have been on his life began to carry him off as a trophy of war to hell right there on the table in the room and, you know, for a doctor, a seasoned doctor of 40 years to say it was so horrific, I wanted to leave the room, that is very telling to me. So I'm just shaking this morning, and I just had to share that. And I want you to know that eternity is real. What we're doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ is not some social club, Toastmaster type thing that helps people find friends and no this is real this is life and death i'm reminded of moses and aaron when they went out and the plague was going and they stood between the living and the dead and where the incense went the living were on one side and the dead were on the other that is you and i and you know what to some we're a fearful smell of death the, to those who are perishing they've rejected it and they're already headed towards an eternity of separation from god by their own volition but to those who receive and accept the fragrance of life, we're a life-giving perfume. They begin to move towards the life-giving uh, presence of Jesus Christ. And so today, I just want to encourage you, if you're a minister, if you're a believer, whoever you are out there, there's lost and dying people. Not all of them are going to hear you. Many of them will not. It's a broad way that leads to destruction. But there are some who will smell that life-giving perfume and give their life to Jesus and move towards the portals of heaven and what God has for us because no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him and are called according to his name. Be encouraged today, but be stirred and provoked in your spirit that we have to be eternally minded. I had to share that with you. Have a blessed day. Can we admit that as Christians we've lost the principle of being thankful that we're saved. When was the last time you said, there's real hell out there that people are going to. That doctor, if it wasn't for a miracle of, of intercession, his face was contorting. And the doctor of 40 years said to him, I wanted to leave because it was that horrific. How many of you take for, have taken for granted I know I have. We're in our Christian bubble, in our Christian club, and we get so upset for every little thing that we don't, that we miss the big picture. 
When's the last time you thank God for the cross? When's the last time you said, God, I know I'm, I'm asking you for a lot of things and I'm not getting it, but, but you saved me from eternal separation from you. We better thank God for the cross, church. We better thank God for salvation, church. We better thank God that he saved you from a real separation from God because of our sins. Thank God that our sins are washed away. This is one of the things we need to constantly remind ourselves to be thankful. If you don't know what to be thankful for this morning, I just gave you a reason. If you don't know anything, you say, well, I can't find one thing. Know that you can be thankful that you are secured in the beloved and that he called your name out one day and you said yes to him that if you would have died a couple years ago without Christ, you would have been dead and had the same torment as this doctor, billionaire. But because one day, you know what? You know what? We need to thank God that we're saved, but it also is a reminder not to play games anymore. Guys, I want us to stand up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to sing a song, whatever you feel led, Christina, but I just feel the presence of the Lord. Guys, if you could help me with this. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.